Hello, this is Pastor Jay of Walk Truth Radio Network, along with my partner in crime, Sister T. Drake of God's Gift Through His Word, the Godmother Podcast. This month for September, we're going to be talking about how to prosper well during the time of your adversity. T, what do you have to say? Well, what I want to say, Pastor Jay, is don't sleep on this topic. It's going to be another good one. So come on over. Don't forget to get yourself something to drink so we can sit and listen and learn and enjoy the shares as well. It's going to be a great time. So I look forward to seeing you guys. Don't forget to tune in. God bless. Thank you for listening. We worship at the Universal Church of Jesus Christ Building, located at 2301 Wallace Avenue Overland, Missouri 63114. Times of worship, 8.30 on Sunday, Bible study 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Tuesday. All are welcome and thank you for considering us as your place of worship.
Good morning. Good morning. So we had a men's meeting yesterday, and it was the fourth one. We're doing a Tony Evans Kingdom Man series. Okay. And we had the fourth one. And uh, I'm basically just going to give you a summation of what he talked about, condensed version. The video is long, it's like 28 minutes, and I don't have that long to do an observation of glory. <laughs> So this is a summary. Um, he starts out by uh, talking about how he's driving his car, and it starts it's wobbly, it's shaky, things ain't running right as he's driving. So he takes it over to the shop to get it looked at, and whenever the mechanic looked at it, he said the alignment was off. And he said a lot of problems with uh, Christian men today is we're trying to get where we're going, but our alignment is off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he says whenever your alignment's off, things are shaky in your life. Yeah, come on, man. So they're trying to get where they're going, and things are shaky, mm -hmm. and they're not aligned right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, one of the things he says in there is every Christian man is to align himself with Christ as Christ did with God. And he brings up uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. I'm going to bring that up for you real quick. <clears throat> but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of, every, of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So he says we have to align ourselves to Christ as Christ aligned himself to God. And then he says, uh, I really like this, he says, Satan doesn't mind if you go to church on Sunday, as long as God has nothing to do with Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And if that's how you're living, you better check your alignment. And then uh, <clears throat> after that, he talks about the fear of God. And... Uh, Fearing God, a lot of people don't understand exactly what that means. It's not the kind of fear you would have of if you're a kid, you'd be scared of the bully picking on you. It's not that kind of fear. It's, it's a reverence or a high esteem or an ultimate respect. Mm -hmm. um, but then he makes it simple and he says, fearing God is simply taking him seriously, okay. not taking him casually. Right. And then he says, fearing God is the foundation, uh, the, uh, the foundational principle of God working in your life. Yeah. And you're fearing God whenever you walk in his ways, <laughs> not your own. Okay. So then he talks, uh, tells a story about his son and in uh, basketball. He says he's at the campus where he works or whatever. And his son came over to him, his son's 11, not a tall kid, basically. And he says, Dad, I want to show you my dunk. <laughs> so he goes, okay. He goes down to the gym with him and says, son dribbled, tucked it under his arm, dribbled, tucked it under his arm, went up with two hands, dunked. The thing is, is that he went and got the janitor to lower the hoop to six feet <laughs> and instead of 10 feet. And he says, what he did was he brought the standard mm -hmm. down to him. Mm -hmm. 
And he says a lot of us do that with God. We want to bring his standard down to a level that we can reach. So instead of us growing in Christ and reaching his standard, we try and bring it to our level. Right. And uh, he also uses another thing uh, about Walmart and uh, how he goes to Walmart one day and so the store is packed. He doesn't mind going to the store, but it's packed. People are everywhere. And the thing that was is they were having a discount sale, a big store-wide sale. And he says, a lot of us are like that with God. We want to get him on discount. Mm-hmm. We want to get him for sale whenever he's cheap for us, whenever it's easy for us. We don't want him at full price, though. <laughs> and then he talks about uh, about being committed. And then he, he says, I love this, about uh, not being a part-time Christian. Mm-hmm. And, and he says, God wants total commitment of a man. So that through the man and in the man, he can express his will. And then uh, I really like this too. He says, if you want God to bless you, tell him how if he does, you will use it for him. And then uh, he was explaining what commitment looks like. And he used football. A lot of you in here watch football. Some of you women may not. Some of you might. I don't know. But he says, you'll go to a football game. And I never knew this, but he says the action of the football game is only about 17 minutes. But it's a three-hour experience. So you're there for three hours. And he says, you watch the game. You leave. You turn on your radio. And you listen to them talking about the game that you just watched. And then you get home. You turn on ESPN. You watch highlights of the game that you were just at. And then he goes, and the next day... You listen to sports talk radio to hear them talk about the upcoming opponent for the next week. All right. And it basically is an umbrella of your week. Mm. And that's what total commitment looks like. And that's how we need to be to God, totally committed. He needs to umbrella our week, our life. Amen. So if you're fully committed, then you're taking God seriously. If you're taking him seriously, then you're fearing the Lord. When you're fearing the Lord, you're aligning yourself properly. And whenever you do that, your family and everyone else who follows or everyone else who you lead will follow. And then one of the last things he said, and I'm going to share with you, is he says, if you begin to walk in the fear of God and not merely talk in the fear of God, then you have opened up the treasure chest to the blessings God has for you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Today's reading comes from Psalm 34, and it's one of our favorites. And it reads, I will bless the Lord at all times. This praise shall continually be in my mind. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. 
I sought the Lord and he answered me. Yeah. And delivered me from all my fear. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his trouble. The angel of the Lord encamped around those who fear him and delivered them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Amen. I read you Psalm 34, verses 1 through 8. May God add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of his holy word. Father God, you said you will never leave us off a second, so Father God. You said you are a lamp to our feet and a light, a light to our path, oh Father God. I truly believe that, oh Lord God, and I just pray that others do too, oh Lord God. You said, you said, trouble don't last always. You said that do not do vengeance, oh Father God. You say vengeance is yours, oh Father God. So whenever we have on our heart to do something ugly, oh Father God, just remind us, oh Father God, that you got that, oh Father God, and that we stay focused on you, oh Lord God. Lord God, as you take care of our family members and everything that's going on around us, oh Lord God, we're going to give you the highest praise on the day, and that is hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Sister Frida, come on up here and give us a song, girl. Hallelujah. In this place. 
around about walking to uh we got this thing you know pastor said he wanted to get saved people thinking and thinking people saved so this song is more so in times like these you need a savior in times like these you need an
So at this time, we're going to bring up our own pastor, servant, Dr. James Sutton. Okay. Amen. This is the day. Yes. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I just thank God today to, for the fact that I'm saved, Amen. I'm sanctified, and I'm full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I just thank God for his blood that cleansed me from all unrighteousness. I thank God that he put me in the midst of some saints Amen. that love the Lord. I thank God for the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. It's not about the spoon, but it's about the shepherd. All right. And I share for our deeds, Jesus. Amen. We are simply servants and spoons, not to be recognized or identified. I appreciate Sister Karen. You know how I'm schemish with all of that because that's man's thing that looks at the outer, but it's God that looks at the heart. Today, we're going to continue our journey in grace. Amen. Amen. But we want to think about now the providential nature of grace. I've been talking about the providence of God, meaning that God oversees, runs, and controls everything without influence by you or me. Whatever God has planned, it will come to pass. It's not measured by our time and our understanding, but His will for His glory, for His Son. He sent His Son to die that we may have a relationship and live under the providence of God and benefit from it. Grace is our superpower, that God has given all saints the ability to exhibit grace in their life. The favor that was given to us, we give to others. God wants to give you a gift, but he doesn't want your gift, as we learned yesterday, to be a cul-de-sac. He wants your gift to go out to the highways and the byways of the world and give it away. So today we're going to talk about the grace of God and his choices. And we're going to talk about the title of this message. It's simply this. The grace in the foolish choices of God. The grace in the foolish choices of God. The world always needs a hero. And a great writer said that a hero is simply a cocooned coward that's changing from the inside out. While the hero to be is in a cocoon, he's changing. He's being honed. He's being shaped into... Uh, from a coward to a hero and, and God doesn't choose heroes to become heroes he chooses cowards to become heroes All right. and see and when I say coward just don't think of someone who's afraid but think of someone who may be inadequate mm -hmm. someone who is not the best someone who doesn't look the part someone who is different than what you expect because uh -huh. even Jesus himself didn't come like we expected he came in the frailty of a baby they wanted an instant king but he came in the frailty of a child 
He had to grow. He faced hunger and all the things that we face to understand our frailty. But I want to tell you today, with all assurance, in the providence of God, I know that you were chosen. I know God has called you for a time such as this. If you're hearing this message, if you know Jesus, he has chosen you out of your frailty, not out of your strength. Too many times we are too strong to be used by God. We know everything. We done lived it all. We done did it all. We done bought it all, ate it all, and then drank it all. And some of us done smoked it all. But in that, it just proves how weak we really are. Because in all of that getting, we didn't get an understanding that we needed God. But now, but God, who is rich in mercy and grace, decided to show and shed his love abroad in your heart through his son, Jesus Christ. So we're going to open up our books right now. And I'm going to start off with a passage to set the framework. But we're going to be in Judges, chapter 6. And we're going to use Gideon as the backdrop, the narrative of Gideon as the backdrop to show how God chooses. So there's two words I want you to hold on to. Say raw, raw. and war. war. And I'll get back to that. I'll get back to that. You'll see how that fits in. In the time of Gideon, in the time of Judges, the Bible completely says that the people were doing what was right in their own eyes. And every so often, God would send a judge. And during the time of the judge, after the time of discipline, God would send a deliverer. And during the time of the life of the judge, Israelites would prosper. But they kept going in and out of the favor of God. It's almost as if, as human beings, we don't understand that the most dangerous time to be with the Lord is in a time where we don't have any pressure on us. Mm -hmm. Because we tend to forget how good God was to get us to the point where we can relax. Mm -hmm. I've seen in my own life, it's only through the pressures of the life, through the afflictions and adversities of life, do I grow in the knowledge of the Lord. Because the minute that he lets up, the minute I eat the grapes, the minute I sit back and enjoy myself, I tend to slip back and forget what God has done for me. Well, I forget for where he's brought me from. I, I begin to pop my collar and believe that it's all, that it's me. And I deserve what he brought me through. As if I didn't go through adversity, I just got there because I was an orator of God. But see, the thing about God, he'll never let any man take his glory. He'll never let you take his glory. His providence prevents you from taking his glory. And it's the grace in his providence that aligns us right with God, that allows us to walk with God, but be humble before him. And our strength becomes a weakness because we can't take our strength into what God wants us to do. So we are zeros being prepared to be heroes, but always remember, you started at zero. You bring nothing to the, to the equation but yourself. And you have to humble yourself to God. A lot of you want to be used by God and simply don't think in the way it's your ego. It's your stature. It's what you think. What, how you feel. God can't use how you feel where he wants you to go. He has to use what he says where he wants you to go. The pathway of a, a, light into your feet, a lamp into your feet and a light into your path is simply this. God wants to align you and walk with you and show you the way to go. But you have to humble yourself to the, to the journey to get to the destination. Some of you, and so, like me, has, has been in a 
10 foot hole with a shovel in it. And what we do is we throw the dirt six feet in the air in a 10 foot hole. You get that when you go home. <laughs> can I shovel myself out of a 10 foot hole throwing the dirt six feet in the air? No, all I can do is shovel the dirt and they just keep falling on me. I'm working hard, Brother Perry. I'm going to church. I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm missing the fact that I'm 10 foot in the hole. It has to be God who lifts me up. To the point that I can throw the dirt six, 10 feet in the air or 11 feet to get it out. So God works on us Amen. providentially, individually, intimately. So in this situation with Gideon, at verse 6 and 1, I'm going to read that. It says that the people of Israel, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of God. And the Lord gave them into the hands of the Midians. Mm -hmm. Seven years. You know what I, you know that's seven years. That's a long time to be in the hands of, the, of someone and you've done evil. But it gets progressive to the point where they get to the Babylonians and they're in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Mm -hmm. Verse 2. And the hand of Midian overpowered the Israelites and because of the Midians, they, the people of Israel, made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. So because they did evil, God gave them over to the Midians. Now the Midians, this is what the Midians would do. The Midians would come during harvest season, chase them back up to the caves, and take everything they didn't plan. And leave them nothing to eat. Well of course the ones are going through it. I wonder where is God? Where is God that delivered us out of Egypt? That he would let these heathens come. Take everything we got. But isn't it interesting? We read the narrative. And we know the reason why. Because they were disobedient. God would allow. Your enemy to infect, affect, and infest you and take from you when you're being disobedient. All for you to turn to him. Why does God use your enemy? Because they have a purpose. Your purpose is to drive you back to God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So because of the Israelite situation, the providence of God said, I, who gave them over? The Lord gave them over to the hands of the many. See, this is providential to God moving. The, 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 the Israelites didn't know what was going on. All they know is they went from prosperity to going back into the hole. And Gideon was an example of one in a six-foot hole, in a ten-foot hole, trying to throw up, throwing up the stuff up six feet. So after this, just to remind you the setting. So God needs to send a hero. But does God look for the best and the brightest? <laughs> No. God looks for Gideon. God looks for the weakest. God looks for those who are afraid. God looks for those who are reluctant. I hope you caught that. The weak, the afraid, and the reluctant. That's war. So if we think about this, is it that he's weak that makes him afraid, that makes him reluctant? We're going to see that. 
Or as his reluctance is because he's afraid and it makes him weak. See, we fit in that somewhere. And we're going to see through the through this short part of the narrative of Gideon how God providentially chooses this coward to save, to give us hope that we're looking in the wrong place for our heroes. Because your hero may be sitting next to you. Amen. All right. Your hero may be right now in the gutter on the street. Your hero may be that son or that daughter that you and gave up on. God is working providentially in their life. All you need to do is keep praying. Because they may Amen. be the hero that the body of Christ is looking for. Amen. Amen. That's right. We have to accept that, saints. When somebody doesn't look like us, talk like us, and be like us, that's the same person that God wants us to listen to. <laughs> right. right. Turn to, now turn to the scripture. We're going to use the main scripture. Go to Judges chapter 6. We're just going to read verses 9 through 14. This is where Gideon kicks in. So we can talk about the, the, the foolishness in God's choices. So let's see how foolish this choice is that God has made. Sovereign. Okay, go ahead. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Mm -hmm. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Orpah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Mm -hmm. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Amen. Amen. You see the setup. The angel of the Lord came to Gideon mm -hmm. while Gideon was down in a ten-foot hole, throwing stuff in his up in the air, six foot, threshing out the wheat. And you might say, "Well, what's wrong with that?" The only problem with that is, if you're in a hole, you can't thresh out the wheat, right? Because all you're doing is throwing it up in the air. And it's fallen on you to thresh out the wheat and need wind. And because he had no wind, he was hiding because he was afraid. He was working twice as hard as he should have had to work because he was afraid. Because he figured, I'll do this and we'll get some food. But he was too afraid to go out in the open because they would take it from him. Yeah. So many times, God puts us in the point of affliction that we will try all we can do and still not succeed. Because God is trying to show us something. God is trying to put us in the framework of mind that we need someone, a savior, someone to come alongside us to show us the grace and the mercy of God. And 
Did you notice how Gideon started off? He's like, where are you, God? Because if you were God, we wouldn't be in this circumstance. We wouldn't be in the CIA of our moments. We wouldn't be in our circumstance, incidents, and accidents. We would not be under the oppression of the Midianites if you were around. You have left us and forsaken us. But see, but see what, what, what Gideon forgot is God didn't forsake them. They forsake God. So many times we want to blame God for the situation that we're in. Well, God has allowed us to, to, to sovereignly let us get into that situation so we can see how foolish we are. But even with that, would you choose Gideon? No, I wouldn't choose Gideon because Gideon is a coward. Gideon's a coward. First of all, he won't take responsibility for his own actions. Two, he want to blame God and ask God, where have you been? Because if you had been here, we shouldn't be here. But you're right where God wants you to be. Don't you know, whatever affliction you're in, you are right where God wants you to be. You can't get out of it until God wants you to get out of it. And sometimes God will leave you in affliction because he knows you better than you know yourself. You're trying to get out what God is trying to leave you in. You're trying to pick the lock and God say, no, let's just close the door. You say, well, God, I want to get out. But God say, I want to get in there with you. God said, I just want to sit with you. You're not going to get out of this. I just want to sit with you because for some reason when I leave you in, you worship me better. You praise me more. You look for me. And it's by my grace that, that you do these things. So God chooses in the intimacy of life. Yes. Jeremiah 1 and 5 tells us that God knew and consecrated us. He had a relationship with us before the foundation of earth, before we were anything in our twinkle of our father's eye, in our mother's womb. God knew who you were and consecrated you. It's the knowing relationship and the setting aside that God has done for you. But between the knowing and the consecration comes the affliction. All right. It comes adversity. That's right. See, you think, oh, God knew me before the foundation of earth. Clap, clap, clap. And he consecrated me. Yeah, but he's consecrated you into suffering. Right. You don't want to hear that. Right, man. Right. There is no blessing without suffering. Come on, man. I'm gonna say that again for those in the back. There is no blessing without suffering. Well, come on. And your suffering is by grace. Your consecration is by grace, and your blessing is by grace. Yeah, He chose you. Before the foundation of the earth. He chose you before you was in your mother's womb. And he consecrated you. But think about this. The greater the gift, the greater the challenge. The greater the challenge, the greater the suffering. So your consecration is on the back of you suffering. Praise God. See, we try to get ready to the gifting. But your character has to be built during the time of affliction. To carry the gift that God has called you to carry. You can't carry a perfect gift with a messed up character. Oh, come on, man. Come on, God. So, yeah, Jeremiah says you're chosen. Yeah, you are consecrated. But you have to be built, to, your character has to be built during a time of affliction. That's right. And that's the part we don't like. Because affliction is tough. That's what affliction means. That's right. Adversity is hard. Well, that's what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a walk in the park. As you zigzag through life, God has a straight line, but you're going to zigzag. Because you're going to begin to think you're doing it on your own because you've been anointed and appointed and full of the Holy Ghost. But let me tell you something. There's not any word of affirmation that will get you out of having the pain of God in your life. That's right. 
And I want to say this as a sidebar. I don't care how many words of affirmation you say. I don't care how scriptures you, you say in this world. You know, I'm watching the secular world adopt our principles. Let me tell you something, secular world. Until you know Jesus Christ as your Lord, your Savior, for, and repent for your sins, you're going to go to hell with those words of affirmation. Okay? That's pretty what I'm talking about. You're going to go to hell affirming some stuff. Because you won't humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. You won't say you a sinner. You go straight to affirmation. I'm great. I'm pretty. I'm good. I'm great. I'm pretty. I look good. And I'm going to say that a thousand times. You're going to bust hell wide open. See, you ain't been consecrated into the affliction that saves us. The Bible says we were baptized in Jesus. We were baptized into his death. And we were baptized into his suffering. To be raised with him in glory. Amen. Yeah. <coughs> him sitting on the right hand side of God. Having all power. Well, That's what we do. That's who we are. And we're not going to let any secular person hijack our Jesus. Amen. So you can go to all the gurus you want. <laughs> you better come to Jesus. Because see you don't have to stand before the Lord by yourself. And he ain't going to ask you what guru you went to. He's going to ask you, did you know me? And he's going to tell you, you're going to say, well, I did all these great things. I had all these conferences in your well, name, and, and I did all this stuff. And he's going to say, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. You can't hijack this. But I digress. <laughs> so he chooses intimacy. What kind of people did you guys choose? Go to 1 Corinthians. Read the First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-six through twenty-nine. Let's see who God chooses and who He doesn't choose. So He chooses us intimately before we were born, and now let's see how He chooses us once we alive. First Corinthians. For consider your calling, brothers. So think about this. We need to consider our calling. So you need to go. Hmm. My calling. Now, now, now I want to tell this to you. Your calling is different from your gifting. Right. Well. See, we conflate the two. Everybody conflate the two. Mm -hmm. Your calling is to Jesus. Your gifting is for glory. All right. You're called to be saved. And once you're saved, you're given a gift to call other people to be saved. Your gift is only as good as it brings people to Christ. If your gift don't do nothing but bring people to you without you bringing them to Christ, your gift is wasted. Because you want it for the money. You want it for the attention. Until a soul is saved, your gift is being wasted. So the calling. Pay attention. Think about your calling, people. Read. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Mm. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even <clears throat> things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So what God is saying there is, he didn't choose the great, he chose the lowly. He didn't choose the strong, he chooses the weak. He didn't choose the good looking. He chooses the ugly. He chooses right. the least of us to work with the best of us. All right. 
That's who God chooses. To bring forth the salvation in the gospel that would be present unless he chooses us. So that God's glory would not be shared by anyone. So he chooses us in that we are the weak, the lowly despised, or the reluctant, the afraid, and the weak. Mm -hmm. The raw. He chooses those who are raw. He chooses those who maybe, you know what, I don't really want to call. I, 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 I didn't really want to be called to this. I was reluctant, like some of you. And of course I was afraid because I was afraid not that I would get it wrong, I was afraid I'd get it right. And I was weak in my own flesh because I still had some worldly things that I needed to share. But you know what I've learned over the years, saints? I can't share them in my own power. All right. I have to submit to the will of God. That's right. I have to take my reluctancy, my, my afraidness, and my weakness and turn over to God and come to him in truth and say, you know what? I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I, 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 if, you, if you don't do it in me, it won't get done. Amen. So many of us, we, we strive to, 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 to do what only God can do. Because God doesn't want us to get the big head. God doesn't want us to think we're more of ourselves than we should. God wants us to temper ourselves before him. God wants to humble ourselves. God wants us to see him in everything, in our affliction, his providence, in choosing us because we're weak. He chooses us because we're afraid. He chooses us because we were reluctant. And because you're that way, he can use you. You're pliable. He wants to make you strong. He wants to bring you forward. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Start at verse 9. And verse 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians 12. Verse 9 But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. There we go. God's power is made perfect in weakness. Whose weakness is he talking about? He's talking about our weakness. See, the power of God is needed where weakness is. All right. Where sin is, which is the weakness of man, disobeying God, grace needs to abound. And he says wherever that sin is abounding, grace abounds much more. The reason why grace abounds much more, because grace was the gift that God gave us through the cross. See, the grace, the favor, is earned by Jesus. And Jesus gives it to us freely, but it cost him his life. And he was willing to, to, to lose his life to save all those who would believe. So when he says to us, whomsoever will, he's basing that upon the weakness of ourselves and the grace that abounds greatly in the world now. We're under the dispensation of grace, meaning that God has set aside this time to give us this unmerited favor that we did not deserve, that we did not earn, and that he did to the raw, the reluctant, the afraid, and the weak. All right. He chooses those type of people because he loves them. If you listen, he loves you. Mm -hmm. But his love can be manifested and, and felt in you when you decide to understand you're weak. Right. Sometimes you're afraid. And sometimes you just don't want to go. <clears throat> you don't need to make proclamations. You don't need to overpromise and underperform. You just need to be truthful. 
Somewhere in this book, he said, worship me in spirit and in truth. Well, yes, we know truth about him, but what about the truth about you? All right. Say that. He needs, you need to learn how to worship him in his spirit with your truth of who you are without him and who you will become in him. Say that. Those of us who come to Christ, we're in a cocoon. God is making us a hero. He's taking us through the, the challenges of life and protecting us providentially because if he chooses you to come in, he's going to provide for you while you go through. Yeah. He's not going to leave you hungry when he puts you in the starvation position. All right. All right. Now say that. If he fed them in the wilderness, why won't he feed you? Amen. Mm. So you got to trust God in this providence. You got to trust the process. Grace allowed you to trust that process. Grace to say, you know what, God, I understand. I don't, I might not like it, but I understand. That's right. What's my purpose? Because I'm in a cocoon. You're honing me. You're sharpening me. You're, you're helping me along. You're teaching me how to humble myself. You're teaching me how to deal with people I don't like. You're teaching me how to deal with people I don't necessarily agree with. You put me under pressure so I will stay lonely so that you can rise me up. Read. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Stop! That is counterintuitive to our thinking. I'm going to boast in my weakness, so that the power of Christ, Christ can be evident in my life. I'm going to boast in my affliction, that you may see the Jesus in me. I'm going to talk about how, 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 how I am sick, but I'm still strong. I'm going to talk about that maybe I got a shot in my leg and a shot in my other leg and yeah, it hurt, but I'm going to make it to the house of God because God is strong in me. Come on, Come on. That don't sound like no word of affirmation. I'm great. I'm good. I look good. That sounds like the truth. The grace of God is strong and those who are weak are willing to admit. I'm only here by the grace of God. Yeah. I'm not here because I'm supposed to be here. I'm here because he wants me here and I want to satisfy what he wants. Come on, man. It's all right. The grace of God. All right. He said, I boast in my weakness. Paul figured it out. Paul said, look, let me tell you, I'm blind, crippled, and crazy, but God. All right. I'm dead to the world and the world is dead to me, but God. I've been beaten, but God. I've been shipwrecked, but God. I've been cast away, bit by a snake, but God. See, you got to get in your spirit and get in your heart that the providential nature of God puts you in the position to give him some praise. So when you're going through, you can say, but God. I've learned how to do good. And the good I've learned how to do is to say, in any situation, in any circumstance, the C, circumstance, the I, the incidents, A, the accidents of life, the CIAs of life, I can say, but God. Right. Read on. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So when I am weak, then I am strong. What did he tell Gideon? Go in the might that I send you. Yes. 
See, it's the eye that gives him the might for him to go. It's not the you. It's the I, the great I am. That gives you the power to walk and move and to do in the will that he gives you. See, it's not me, it's him, the, 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 it's the hope of glory in me that moves me. Amen. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's that? That's the providence of God putting himself in you so that you can do his work. Yeah. For him. You benefit, but you help many more people than you ever could imagine if you just realize it ain't about you. That's right. It's about somebody else. But Gideon did understand. He had fear over faith. Some of you have fear over faith. Some of you always want a sign. As the story goes, Gideon says, Lord, give me a sign if what you said is true. The Lord said somewhere in John, he told Doubt and Thomas, he said, look, blessed is those who have heard and not seen. That's right. That's right. See, you got to believe in, in the word of God. Come on. Come versus on. looking for a sign from God. Come on. Because the sign from God come from the people that are giving you the word of God. They're your sign. Yes, come on, man. Because come they were reluctant. They were afraid. They were weak. So if I get up here and you get up here and Joyce get up here and Karen get up here, we are all in the same boat. We raw and we was at war with God. But now God has saved us, lifted us up, and we're your sign. Don't look for no sign outside the body of Christ. Look for the sign inside the body. All right, God. You the sign. You saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost. You the one who have eternal life. So while I'm looking at nature, now I need to be looking at the saints. Mm -hmm. How are you making it through? By the grace of God. How are you getting over? By the grace of God. How are you living your life? By the grace of God. Oh, let me think. It's by the grace. <laughs> Come on, son. Providential yeah. grace. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. And providential grace protects his glory. Yes. Because Paul just said, I boast in him. I identify my weakness, but I boast in him in the strength that he's given me. So providentially, God puts you in adverse situations so that you can boast of the, his power, not get necessarily getting you out, but while you're going through. Amen. It's our brains that's the problem. <laughs> because we're trying to get out. I'm going to tell you a secret. You ain't going to get out of this life alive. <laughs> Maybe they didn't tell you that. But I tell you what, you can get out of this life having eternal life. And all of us who are saved understand that. I don't live for now. I live for later. Yes, Lord. But like Paul said, it would be better for me to go over there and live over there. But you know what? For right now, it's beneficial for me to be y'all serving. All right. It's beneficial for me to get up here and say I'm weak. It's beneficial for me to get up here and say sometimes your pastor get afraid. Sometimes your pastor's reluctant. But God, <coughs> who is rich in mercy and grace, comes into my heart and says, Press on toward the mark of the high calling. We are all called. We're all heroes. We're cocooned in our adversity and our affliction. But the same God that put you in, by grace, he's going to sustain you through providentially and get you out providentially with your good and the glory of God. Let's pray.
Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your providential nature of grace. I thank you for showing us that we can all be like Gideon, scared and looking for a sign. But Lord, we trust your word. You said you never leave us nor forsake us. Gideon didn't know that, but we do, Lord. And we trust in the process of your providential nature. Yes, you choose the foolish things like us to confound the wise of the world. So Lord, we bask, we love our weakness because it boasts in your strength in us. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for your love. I always want you to be encouraged, blessed, and at peace. And I always want to tell people what we say. Walk in truth. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Walk in Truth Radio Network broadcast. If this message has been a blessing to you, consider donating on your favorite platform. You can donate by looking in the description box and picking your favorite platform of choice, Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal. Continue listening. And your prayers are needed, welcomed, and appreciated.